Welcome to Rebel City Podcast. Well, this week I'm mortally ill in bed with the flu. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but it's a good opportunity to sit down and put a podcast together. I've definitely got plenty of time to be doing that. Um, this week's guest is uh, Katie Johnson. Uh, Katie is a presenter at Capital Scotland and at Endo Warrior. And one of the reasons why I wanted to get her on the podcast was to talk about endometriosis, um, which is, I'll let Katie explain it in her, her own words um, in the podcast. But basically, I wanted to do this to try and break down the taboo and end the silence around this, what sounds like horrific disorder that appears, and also break down stigma around uh, female personal hygiene and uh, periods, which I'll be honest, I find ridiculous. But anyway, loads about that in the episode. I talked to Katie about going to university and being sick, having to deal with the pressures of that and how that really affects your mental health. We also talk about how podcasting for, I don't know, maybe a year ago, it seemed like it was really going to break down the mainstream media, but how the mainstream have managed to sort of infiltrate the platform and maybe a couple other subjects that we broached, but a really nice conversation and really good to hear a positive story about how somebody overcomes illness um, and um, manages to get like their sort of dream job. It's amazing to see Katie presenting in Capital Scotland, but without further, uh, without more of me waffling on with my flu, um, here's Katie. Surreal. Anyway, welcome to Rebel City, Katie. Thank you. It's nice to finally meet you. <laughs> I know, I'm so pleased. So. Um, I invited you on the show what, about six months ago, something like that. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, we've had politicians and all sorts. So You've been just, busy. Yeah, we've been busy. We yeah. like to keep busy, aye. Uh, it's been good. But um, <clears throat> do you want to just introduce yourself to people? Like, who are you? Yeah. Why are we here? Okay, I'm like so <laughs> searching, who am I? Um, okay, uh, so I'm Katie. And I am a radio presenter and also a campaigner for endometriosis, which is a condition that I have. Mm-hmm. And I've been through the ringer the last wee while, but thankfully on a better keel now. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. So what is uh, endometriosis? <laughs> Say that like Very good. Uh, endometriosis? Endo. Endo. Metriosis. I know okay. it's a nightmare. It's like it doesn't work for the slogans or the t-shirts mm-hmm. and things. That Sounds we're gonna... like something. Nah, just came you from need an abbreviation. I. <laughs> yeah. Like. I was thinking like meteors when I read it. I'm just going to go with your condition. I'm going to go. Okay. <laughs> was it like living with your um, condition? Like. Uh, people say endo, mm-hmm. which is easier. Okay. I suppose. Um, but yeah, I never heard of it before I got diagnosed with it. So basically, what it is is it's gruesome. Well, it's not gruesome, but we're trying to normalise it. But it's when. Um, Basically, every time you have a period, like the lining of the womb 
sheds, but mm-hmm. it gets it stays trapped kind of inside and forms cysts and mm. really angry clots and like just basically a sticky mess okay. inside mm. your body. And every time you ovulate, this happens if you've got it. One in ten women do have it, uh, which is a crazy well, figure. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, 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 neither of you who had the condition or nobody's really. I mean, when I searched the hashtag tag on Twitter, yeah, it didn't really come up with a, a lot. I mean, for something that affects one in ten women, you would expect yeah. it to be something that a lot of people are speaking about, but it's just no seems to be the case. It is one of those things though now you'll probably see it and you'll probably be like, Oh, that's that's what that right. bizarre thing is <laughs> that she was talking about. But totally, it's so people don't even know that they have it. I mean, it takes about seven and a half years to get a diagnosis for a start. That's the average time in the UK. Wow. Yeah. So you can be experiencing symptoms for years and years and years. And really just, I think it's because it's about periods mm-hmm. and women don't want to talk about it. They feel uncomfortable about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of think, oh, well, yeah, okay, so I've got it bad, but I've just better just get through it. Everyone else gets through it. Who am I to take a day off work when, when so-and-so in the office is absolutely fine when she has her period, you know? So right. mm-hmm. you do kind of just think, what makes me so special? Just get on with it. So I did that for years and years and years and obviously then got to a point where I couldn't walk. <laughs> so right. that's what happened. And I think that hopefully we start to raise a little bit of awareness and people don't have to go through that. Mm-hmm. But, Saying um, that like women don't want to talk about it kind of goes against the sort of stereotype that men don't talk, women talk about everything yeah. and women are so open and yeah. honest. But when it comes to something that's like stigmatised, like periods, because I think that... I think it's weird that that is something that's still stigmatised. Like I know. It. So it's a natural thing that goes on. Like, I don't really get it. Mm. Why do you think it is? Why do you... Like, I don't... You such know a sort of taboo subject. I don't thing. know, because you, you're right. Like, if everybody's going through it, it's completely natural. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, we all know it's happening. But people still, like, shoving tampons up their jumpers when they go to the bathroom and, like, being really <laughs> secretive about the whole thing. It's absolutely mm. ridiculous. Um, and I think that it is just that thing where it's like, I should be able to take this in my stride it shouldn't be and we, we just think that we should be able to do everything in spite of it mm-hmm. so like all these these adverts these ridiculous yeah. like have you seen these awful like always adverts it's yeah like, i can play tennis i can ride yeah. a horse and you're like i can't move and it's you know <laughs> it's awful and i think that all kind of perpetuates this this thing so basically with me i had really bad pain and latterly Throughout university, like I would rarely have a period where I wouldn't wake up in A and E towards the end because I would be in so much pain mm. that I just couldn't function, and um, definitely be in my bed for a good three or four days when I had had pain. And I mean, like sweat and buckets. I, I thought I thought I was dying, which wow. sounds mm. really ridiculous, but that's what what I felt like, and um, and that kept happening. And then as soon as it's done, it's like some rare form of like post traumatic stress. You just go, all right, got through it. Let's never think yeah. about it again. Let's never talk yeah. about it. Um, and then in my final year of university, I gained like two and a half stone and was working in a cafe and my mum was like, stop eating the pastries. Like oh. you're piling it on. What's going on? And I was like, oh, you know, classic mum chat. Like, thanks, Jane. You really helped my confidence. <laughs> but um, I knew something was, was up. And then about within the space of like three months, I lost all of the weight and then some like almost three stone because I was like vomiting (laughs) chronically like vomiting so much every day I was in a lot of pain but it's that 
bizarre thing where you're like, ah, I'm feeling good because I'm looking more like myself. And, mm. it's like, and then you get past that level where you're like, no, Katie, like you are. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, something's not right here. Yeah, you're green. Mm. Um, so went to the doctor, months and months of scans, got to the stage where, yeah, I didn't leave the house for like three months because I couldn't really walk. Um, and my bowel had <laughs> so much information. I'm sorry, guys. I'm like, oh, no, no, here. Yeah. Um, my bowel had fused to my uterus. Um, which was obviously causing a lot of pain every time. I'm just adding all the all the taboos in there. Periods, poo, yeah. like what else do you want? Like, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. So my bowel was fused to my uterus, and my right fallopian tube had expanded to the same size as my womb. So and I had like five cysts on my ovaries. So it was really really bleak. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I went in and got. I remember the the gynecologist telling me all this, and she was like, "So we're going to have to operate." obviously um and i was just so desperate for them to get the bot get to the bottom of it because mm-hmm. i was thinking thank goodness at least you're acknowledging this isn't in my head mm-hmm. because for years i just thought i was like weak because i couldn't yeah. cope with it yeah mm-hmm. but Especially actually when you're yeah. getting hit with like sort of like you're saying that idea that you just get the right pad and then you can go in the bike yeah, ride exactly. you can completely it's it, the only symptom of periods that any sort of I mean, growing up as a, a guy, the only symptom of periods that I really knew about was the blood. Right, okay. Yeah. Like, when, yeah. when you find out that people, I mean, I've had girlfriends and, and friends that have been like doubled over in pain. Yeah. And it's almost like, why? It, it is that thing where you're like, how come it's not like this for everybody? Yeah. You know what I mean? It should be just this, we think it should just be this blanket thing. That totally. Just, just the exact same for you as it is for her. And why are you like, finding it worse type of thing. So totally. it must be something quite, like you're saying, like, just goes through your head. Like, you think, am I crazy here? Like, is it... And you just think, oh, I must be, like, such a drama queen. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you... I think... I don't know whether it's a women's issue, possibly, but we we do that thing where, like, everyone does this thing where they kind of berate themselves and they think, no, like, it's obviously you that's mm-hmm. the issue. Mm-hmm. Not the fact that from a young age, you probably should be told if you're in that much pain, go to the doctor. Seek help, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. If you were bleeding any other way and you were in that much pain, you'd be straight to A and E. But we were going, you oh no, man, just just get on with it. This is one of the things that I came across recently. Um, I think it was in um, one of the episodes of sort of John Oliver, and he was talking about uh, bias in the sort of medical professions yeah. when it comes to like women and women's issues. Uh, and I can't remember the figures, it was a couple of weeks ago, but th- there was really sort of compelling evidence that women, particularly on issues like their periods and, mm-hmm. you know, these types of things, their reproductive systems. Like, Menopause and things like that as well, yeah, I think. They get treated to be a, almost a, a level of, like, scepticism. Like, the, a, the, you know, the old school hysteria, you know, kind of, like, oh, plays yeah. in doctors' minds. And it's I think that's an incredible thing so far down the line. So is, is that where the... You know, is that, do you think that contributes to like the seven and a half years? Because I think to me, what you're des- the experience you're describing to me as a as a notion of like troubleshooting, because um, you know that's what I kind of day is. Yeah. Like, how many things could that possibly be? Why would it take seven years when you've got so really extreme and specific symptoms? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. That doesn't. You know, how many other things could it realistically have been that, to take that long to actually diagnose? You'd think that you'd go through a checklist, wouldn't you? And it's like mm. someone's presenting with, like, chronic pelvic pain, heavy bleeding, you know, all these things. You're so right. They should just go, ah, that could be endometriosis. Let's get you in for a scan. It, it should be as easy as that. It really mm-hmm. should. Um, when I first went to the doctor about it, I was, like, 16. And it was, we'll put you on the pill. We'll change this. And I think because you can mess about with contraception to a certain extent and it does work for some girls and mm-hmm. that might right, be all okay. it is. Um, 
then again, it's the trial and error approach that, that kind of goes nowhere because you assume, you go, oh, I don't want to go back. I don't want to make a, make a fuss. Like, I, it's mm-hmm. fine. I'll just keep popping over the counter paracetamol and, and it'll be all right. And obviously now I know when morphine didn't cut it, that's not going to yeah, cut yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, exactly. So it's, it, I, I can't even really give you an answer for that one because it blows my mind. They, with, with endo, one of the only things that they can really do to help, and actually, weirdly, one of the things that they can do to diagnose it is surgery. So sometimes it doesn't even show up on imaging at all. So for a lot of women, the first step to getting a diagnosis is going under the knife. That's really invasive. Mm, yeah, and, right. and if, you put, if you get yourself in the headspace of not wanting to... I know, feeling like you're already being ridiculous when someone says, all right then, you think you've got this, right? Let's cut you open then. Let's 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 take mm-hmm. you into an operation. It's going to put a lot of people off. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, right, no, I don't want to cause any, like, no, it's fine. Yeah. You know, and also the ordeal of having an operation. Um, I was in a way lucky enough that it did show up on a scan. So I knew what I was kind of going in for. And I kind of had that vindication that, okay, you're not losing it. Yeah. It, this mm-hmm. is legit. Um, before I went in but otherwise you're in a position where you're really having to advocate for yourself and say I really know in my gut that something's wrong with me and and you have to the onus is on you to to pursue that and I think that that's something that anyone would be and you know struggle with because Mm -hmm. it's that way I'm sorry doctor you really are going to have to listen to me because I know my own body Mm -hmm. and I think that now one thing I've learned is that I'll I'll, I'll do that from now on. Yeah, but absolutely. It's, it's uh, a lot of growing up to get to that point yeah. where you're like... I think that that's something that came a lot later in life, but a lot later in life, like my late 20s. Nah, we've spoken about another episode from that I guy's perspective, Yeah, it? if I feel that something's wrong, yeah. I'm going straight to the fucking doctor because I've had a couple of things that have just like lingered on and then ah. you, there's an easy solution and it's just, you don't... Like even men feel like that. I mean, obviously oh, totally. it's very different. That you feel like you can't, you don't want to go, and it's almost like I should just be putting up with this. This is mm. normal. Like, yeah, these are just normal things, and blah blah blah. But I think that when you can't function, that's the point at which you need to sort of draw a line for yourself, isn't it? And I think when you think about it, like in mental health as well, in in, in that sense, if you're looking at it in terms of things that are stigmatized and taboo, you know, opening up about something like mental health as an issue mm-hmm. to a doctor is, is, is brutal. And, and you know, it takes a lot of courage and guts to go and do that. And it's a similar thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's the same thing where it's like, this is invisible. We don't really yeah. know. You know, it's not like you've it's got very misunderstood mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I think both, both of them probably will be, especially amongst GPs. Yeah. Where they're, like you're saying, they're like, I just take the pill. I know. What the fuck is that going to do for somebody that's got like cysts and like these? Yeah. Like basically a chronic illness. Yeah, well, that's, I mean? yeah, that's exactly what it is. Chronic pain for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what type of effect um, did living with like severe pain like that have on your mental health? <laughs> well, it was awful. So at the time when I actually got to the point where I couldn't move, <laughs> which is sounds ludicrous, but g- genuinely, yeah, that's, yeah, that's there's so much pain. You, you just, yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, can't and, move. you know, just going from like my bed to the toilet basically for three months it was just horrible yeah. and hospital appointments like it's being shuttled there like mm-hmm. honestly like carried like a baby and what yeah. age is that happening uh, 22 right so like super young yeah like, for something like this yeah so i was um i just started my dream course i was doing a master's in journalism so i'd got through my undergrad and i was like with all this going on not knowing um started my course and had to drop out obviously because yeah. i couldn't I couldn't yeah. go mm. um, and I was turning up to lectures and my friends were like you shouldn't be here you're like dripping in sweat like mm. what is going on here and I'm like I'm fine <laughs> uh, not fine yeah um, anyway so I had to drop out of that and, and so 
I felt like my life was like actually over. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I've done this to myself because I've ignored it for so long. So you do that thing where you're like, well, you deserve it because you should have acknowledged it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just think, okay, I was on, I was on the track here. Everything was, was looking, looking great. And then, and now my fucking period means I can't move. Like, what is this about? This is, it's like ultimate girl problem. But, you know, and I told myself I was being, you know, same thing over and over. It's mental how quickly that flips between, oh, this is nothing. I don't need to worry about it. I can get on with my life to that sort of threshold where you need to deal with it. And it instantly flips and becomes, oh my God, I've done this to myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know that either are really massively true because, you know what I mean? There will be a number of other factors, as you say, like the diagnosis and stuff like that. But it's amazing how, like, similar that kind of experience is to some of the things we've spoken about in the past where you do kind of almost go for a sense of denial or a sense of, like, self-flagellation, like, at the drop of heart, the minute you actually decide to sort of deal with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you shouldn't have to feel like that. I just remember sitting there and thinking, when I sent... Like I spoke to my lecturer and I, I was I broke down in tears in front of one of them actually and I was like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me I have to give up on my dream because I am aware that I like like my health has to come first and all this and you're like you're saying all this and you're like I don't want my health to come first I want mm. to just be able to do everything and then you have you realize you start googling and you read the books and mm-hmm. you, you, you the fertility stuff comes up immediately and um, and obviously being 22 and confronted with the fact that you might have well you might be infertile is it's like it was like a bludgeon to the heart like honestly because I don't think I realized how much I wanted to be this picture of domestic bliss because Mm -hmm. I never really have been that way like my family makeup is quite unconventional and I love that and you know I think I always knew I wanted to have like a family but Mm -hmm. certainly was not on my immediate horizon yeah at all and then someone says to you they kind of dangle the opportunity in front of you and say like, this might not be able to happen for you. And I was like, devastated, really. Um, And part of my catharsis going through this was to write about it, to speak about it, to do Mm -hmm. all these things. So I wrote an article um, and I, it was very personal about going through this and having to sign a form that said that they could take away my ovaries and come into terms with that. and the headline, like it was the front page of a national paper and it just said, I'm 22 and I could lose the chance to be a mother. And in my face, like on the front page. And obviously I, I put that out there and I wanted to because I wanted to raise awareness. But that was like, oh, guys, guys. Yeah. That's like... It's almost like the experience oh, yeah, to exactly a really horrible extent. They minimised it down to like this yeah. sort of like... This is a young woman who can't have kids. Yeah, which pissed me off because I was like, obviously I want to have kids, but mm-hmm. like, how dare you take my words? I mean, obviously, i got to say, the article was a big success and I'm really grateful that they published it, but also yeah. I was like, oh, see, whatever sub-editor decided that that was my headline. I'm yeah. so pissed off. Because, Absolutely. Um, because, yeah, it's not the be-all and end-all. And obviously I did my positive research and like there's so many different options and different ways that... I wanted to carry a child, I probably could, like egg donation, things like that. And my eggs possibly are okay as well. So yeah. it's like, don't it's just write that down. Yeah, it's like a statistical thing. This is something that um, I think that you wouldn't mind just saying because they were so open about it, but Chris McQueer, if you read some of the yes. stuff that they, they yeah. wrote about, and it made me think about it because fertility isn't something that I've ever considered 
like ever in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Like, am I for am I fertile? Because most people don't, don't until yeah. Yeah, until it comes a point where yeah. you don't you can't have a kid or you're trying and it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, and then and, you start to and then you start it. to question it. Yeah. But there was loads of stuff that came up when I was reading through and was trying to be empathetic towards so I've never ever been in that space and then spoke to my girlfriend about it and she's got polycystic ovaries. Oh, does she? Right. And so she was saying stuff to me like, it, it's a big deal. It's like a huge deal. And I think she got diagnosed in her early 20s as well. Yeah. And she was like, you need to, you, then when you, you meet somebody, if you meet a partner, you need to sit them down and say, potentially. And I was just thinking to myself, like, well, you can adopt and so yeah. many other things that we spoke about, like in that conversation. And she was like, but not everybody's like that. So like, you could potentially meet a guy and go, look, statistically I'm maybe 50-50 I can have kids mm-hmm. the guy might be like well, I can't see you anymore like that all these things come into it yeah. and that you need to consider thinking like if you get that type of diagnosis in your early 20s and then all of a sudden it's like this is going to impact you for the rest of your life your relationships your work like things like uh, if somebody in the workplace is having a baby, that's a big deal, and baby showers and all these sort of things that you would yeah. need to go to yeah. that would potentially that impact should you. Sort of spark joy and exactly. make you think, oh, wonderful. And it's so hard to, like, it sounds like a really nasty thing to say. Like, it's so hard to be really happy for people sometimes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fine oh. now. But when I first, when I was confronted with all this and I've seen all baby announcements and all, and I was like choking up because mm-hmm. you just think, and. Of course. You live in a yeah, world where course. women are told that, you know, you can have your career and you can go all the way into your, you know, 40s before you need to think about having kids and there's yeah. you, you know, in your 20s being told it's, you know, there's a reasonable chance it's never going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, mm. I can get what you're saying because for me that would feel like, you know, potentially spending the next, you know, 20 years watching mates go and do the one yeah. thing that you can a day and it's uh-huh. like, it's, I. We're it's also no so but at the same time you're you're also so much more than that. I mean, like to to mm. oh, yeah, to, yeah. to minimize it, to note that is a, is a bit harsh because, you know, I think for me I would be focusing on you know a young advocate for you know, a, a, you know an issue that you know people don't know about. One in ten. There's an easier way to spin it. You know, what uh-huh. I mean, oh, like, totally. in a much more if you, positive if you feel way. Like this, yeah. Go and go and speak to somebody. Go and get yeah. checked out. Which I mean. With relation to that article as well, like the crux of it, obviously it was my words and it was fine, which is what I was just like, you're right, because you know, I've just, oh gosh, I mean, there's so many other things you could, you know, I was just, oh, and actually my boyfriend's mum, I'd been telling her, oh, Katrina, go to the shop and get my, I'm in the, I'm in the paper today and all this, and I actually felt, thought, oh my God, she's going to pick up that paper. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And no, I was like, like she's oh, going to read really? ten You're not having any grandkids. And I just thought, like, oh god, right, this is going to be an interesting like Christmas dinner. That was mm-hmm. the thought process, and it's ridiculous, obviously, because she loves me and she doesn't care. But just because it was on there like that, it was pretty gruesome. Yeah, it's not not nice, I suppose. Um, no, I, I think if you're educating people in the process of what's what's happening with the the condition, um, then there's probably going to be a few bumps in the road as people get to grips with it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? At the same so time, what was the what, I mean, I think I read through, I found an article, I think it was the BBC, uh-huh. maybe for like two years ago, something like that, and they were saying that they they had to induce the menopause, yeah. so this was like the sort of, was like a year-long yeah. menopause experience that you went through, was that at 22 as well? Yeah. So, so what was, so, <laughs> so, so why, why yeah. I was thinking like, why would that be a solution? I mean, I can understand why the contraceptive pill, because it changes the hormones, uh-huh. it suppresses period as well, if you keep taking it, like, yeah, you can keep yeah. taking it and you won't take a period, but why would inducing the menopause be like a potential solution? I just don't. I know, it's like, so basically. Seems strange. So, it, it was 
I mean, I can't explain to you how much this kind of 18 month period was like the most bizarre. I felt like I was like walking on the moon. It was like the most bizarre situation. <laughs> like this was not normal stuff yeah. to happen. Um, so basically, <laughs> in a situation where I've just had an operation, they've kind of tried to cut away as much as they could and, you know, all went pretty well, to be honest. Um, but as I said, they unstuck my bowel, but my fallopian tube, this is all so much, so gruesome, sorry guys. My fallopian tube was still like huge. I mean, this, mm-hmm. they should not be the same size as your womb. They should not even be detectable really yeah. on a scan. Okay. They should be like nothing. Um, and obviously the risk with that is, I try not to really everything to pregnancy, but obviously the re- risk would be if you did get pregnant, you could have an ectopic pregnancy mm-hmm. because your tubes are just gubbed basically. Mm-hmm. So that was still a thing. Um, and basically what they thought would help is if I went on this temporary menopause, which sup- didn't just suppress my periods, like suppressed even the murmur of ovulation. Right. So I was, nothing would be happening. It would almost just be allowing my body kind of nine months plus to have no interference from any hormones and just kind of really chill out and mm-hmm. hopefully restore. Because okay. the muscle memory in the body and everything is in- incredible. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the idea was that if I was menopausal um i would be like the anti-fertile and it would just like calm down Mm -hmm, and um i did that for the was a it was like a year actually um injections every three months all the menopause symptoms Mm -hmm. like hot flushes night sweats Mm -hmm. like dripping sweats everywhere and but i got my life back i could get up Mm -hmm. i could function i could restart my course um i could just live and um, albeit you know with a wee fan in my back like <laughs> having a flush at the same time as my mum like <laughs> hilarious um so all quite comical but you know more um, funny <laughs> yeah time. yeah like ridiculous but mm-hmm. weird um and and yeah get a, get a scan at the end of it and check and see if things had improved mm-hmm. um and that was that was the plan. So the menopause is probably something else that's probably stigmatised. Yeah. I don't know any any other symptoms other than hot flushes, and uh, that's because yeah. it's a physical symptom. And obviously, like I've, I've got my mum, and yeah. th- that was just something she was like, it's to change a life. Yeah. Like, you're just sitting there, just sort of sweating. But it's awful. What, what other. We use so many euphemisms other... to talk about these things, yeah. like that's part oh, of the, pro- totally. the You know, the, the change. Yeah, the, the change. change. You just went through the change. <laughs> I, I, I that's what you were going to tell me, then sister, I'll just go with that. Then, my you sister know what I mean? having like, complications <clears throat> as she came into her adolescence, and I was like eight or nine, and I can remember it was. I would say like what's wrong with like asking my mum and dad and it would just be like it's just women's problems oh totally yes yeah, just that way I'm putting it now the my mum and dad are yeah. trying to protect my sisters do you know what I mean like Aye. they're trying to protect my sister really and they don't really want to sit down with me and be like right once a month this thing happens no, and blah 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 at eight where I'm sitting there going what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about like- but also it it probably was a good opportunity for them to educate me and yeah. like mm. just go like that, that girls do go through these things that boys don't go through. Boys go through other things and you've got that to look forward to potentially like <laughs> yeah. thirteen, whatever. But yep. your sister's going through this thing and, and instead of using like a euphemism and sort of like just don't don't worry about it. There's so you're right, there's so many euphemisms. Yeah. Oh my god. Like the painters are in is one yeah. what is there? Like the type That's horrible. even just I know. The worst is one it? I've heard is the blob. Right. I'm not even going to go there. Some of the, <laughs> ones, <laughs> some of the ones that you felt. My brain is literally going, we've got like 10 here, dad. Like, no, no, I'm going to leave them. No, it's it's not. <laughs> I've still maybe done that as well. 
<laughs> with the menopause symptoms though like it was surreal because I think that I always thought like my mum <laughs> hilarious she thought when I was going through my period and she feels awful about it she really like and I don't want her to feel bad about it, so I <clears> left it. But she feels awful because she would always just kind of tell me, like, I had it bad, you've got it bad, that's just what the Johnson girls get it bad. Mm, like, it was just right. like, okay, fine. Um, and when she was going through her really bad hot flushes, because um, my mum's, like, my mum had me when she was 39, so she's like, we have a good, like, almost 40 years in between us, so I right. really vividly remember all of her menopause things because mm-hmm. I was like, teenager like and it was just i was like mom you're so embarrassing like i remember just that's how i thought she was just being embarrassing she's being dramatic she's been this way i was like oh i roll and then i had my first hot flush hilarious and i felt like like tingles from like my head like to my feet like not like positive like pins and needles mm. and i just felt like this like wave of heat and within like half an hour i had to change all my clothes wow. <laughs> like it was like so it's really bad and I like it's not a hot flush like, that is that is not the adequate description to getting so hot that no. you need to go and change your yeah. clothes it's like, like you a are fucking, like it's awful uh, a like a hot tsunami 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 exactly mm-hmm. um, and I phoned my mum and I was like I'm so sorry and she went we're even I appear I doubted you yeah I see. you're just embarrassing me but no um, so what was it like so I take it it was like hormone replacement or something is that how yeah. they, they induced like, yeah. like okay so what's it like what's it been like post that is it been better like, so yeah um, they I did all this and obviously when they tell you this they say we're gonna induce menopause like state for the next year and I'm gonna do whatever my surgeon says because obviously I think like obviously he knows better than me and, and all mm. this but when someone says to you like we're going to press pause on your ovaries and like hopefully they'll come back on it's also a- another thing where you're like what seriously mm. give me a break no. stop telling me because what if they don't come back on mm-hmm. i'm coming to you to yeah. blame you yeah. <laughs> like, this is your fault you know because that all goes through your mind and you just think you know what if this reboot it isn't like it doesn't happen mm-hmm. like that would be awful so a lot of blind faith um so hold on, the electro just, like, the IT crowd just switched your ovaries off and back on again? Basically. That's wild. Isn't it? <laughs> it is mental. Oh, she, she, she's actually glitching, so let's just switch it off and on again. That's literally what it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, when you think about it, they do a lot of that for, like, your heart. Um, yeah. They'll, 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 they'll do uh, controlled arrest. All right, okay. So they, they literally, like, kill you and then bring you back to try Which and is... sort of regulate your heart. So there's parts of your body where... They do do I've that. I've never heard of that. But they like reset. Well, but I, mean, I grew like, up with a dad that had, that had heart attacks, and he had right. that controlled arrest happen like four or five different times. It's wow. just to try and regulate your heartbeat. So, to me, that's experienced that. That I'm like, right, I can, yeah. I get why that they've done that. But that's it, that's terrifying. It, like, yeah, that is terrifying. I think even just pausing and restarting anything <laughs> in somebody's yeah. body in the early twenties, <laughs> like yeah. you were saying, that the muscle memory is so, so like strong in your body. One of the things that scares me is when you start to become conscious of like unconscious things in your body that should just happen and how mm. your brain can start to fuck with them and you you get you lose control of them. So that 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 would have been a concern of like what, what happens here? Like what happens if it doesn't just reboot? Like, yeah, that that was that was the sole concern. And then actually, I I got to be honest, I very quickly forgot about it when I realised that I could like restart my life yeah so, go back to uni and yeah, do all the different things as mm. soon as i realized that i wasn't gonna be in like 
daily trauma yeah. and I could actually get up and what I remember the first time going round the, sh- the, sh- round the shops with my mum my mum mm. came through from Aberdeen for the whole time when I was ill and just like <laughs> we had a tiny flat um, my boyfriend and, and I and my mum my just like moved in and Bit when I was <laughs> I, know, I was in the hospital for a while so it was just Neil and my mum and he was like <laughs> it was very surreal and then obviously he was working nights and mum was like throwing baguettes into the room for him like there you are hun there's your lunch and he's like thanks Jane please leave yeah, uh, yeah. very intense Sleeping situation Neil. very very intense and very odd so I felt for him but they <laughs> but also my mum's amazing so when I got out I remember going around the shops with my mum which was something we used to do when I was like really we every Saturday you know you'd go just go yeah, around the yeah. town and I was like my mum not needing to sit down like I can like walk around like so, like small wins but I could walk around top shop and I was like I'm fine mm-hmm. this is amazing and th- this is someone who hadn't left the house for three months really yeah. so it was their little huge. victories are absolutely vital when you're yeah. on, the, yeah. on the road to recovery mm-hmm. like those are that not that sort of re- resumption and normality is like it sounds weird but it's almost like empowering when Absolutely. you've been oh, you know locked up for uh, days or months or, yeah. you know what I mean we were talking to Aaron Conley about he'd been sectioned for potential suicide attempt and the, when he said about he would get outside for the first time in months and it was the sun shone on him I get a chill up my spine just yeah. thinking like you need to appreciate these yeah. things like if you if you lose the ability to go to Starbucks and get a coffee and then you can just go to Starbucks and get a coffee you should actually be grateful for that and not just be flippant and be like it's, oh well it's just this small thing just forget about it you no, should actually it, celebrate yeah, it yeah it is like you've just been given another another chance absolutely and uh, yeah and exactly a sim- really similar situation because that's how how I felt and um, mm. and it was it was amazing and then from that point on went back in the September restarted my course which was amazing I mean it was all kinds of weird when you're like I've done half of this and people are like what are you doing here yeah uh, but got through it and graduating at the end of November congratulations which is congratulations. good so that's exciting um and yeah just it, I immediately forgot about the about what was happening to me and obviously mm-hmm. there are pros and cons of the medicine that I was on and it's a bit like you know it could have if I'd been on it any longer I think there's like lasting <laughs> of course there's more symptoms that come from that like yeah. arthritis and things like that. and I just couldn't even look at it I couldn't even think about it I was just thinking I can get up and I can I can go mm-hmm. and sometimes you do have to have a blinkered approach to whatever treatment plan you're on just so that you can just yep. go hang in a second that's I care but also I need to live so yeah. you're weighing out you know where you are now against where you could be doing the line and where you could be doing the line is anywhere you know yeah. what I mean but if you're better and you're functional at that point like it's obviously going to be the thing that just takes over all your thinking into it. It's got to. Um, And so, yeah, strength to strength, really. And then, obviously, my time was up on the injection and they went in for a wee scan. And, again, TMI, but shout out to Neil, my my boyfriend, because that would be the third internal scan he'd had to be present for, which is obviously brutal. Um, But but it was horrible, Um, because it's always horrible. But they for the first time, didn't have a horror story for me. They told me that everything was actually looking quite good and mm-hmm. um, the tubes had gone more or less back to normal and looked like things were a wee bit healthy. Got a referral to infertility, okay. um, actually, and they did this test where they can't test the quality of your eggs, uh, but they can test the quantity. Mm-hmm. And healthy wee egg store in one of my ovaries, at least, really, really strong. And, yeah, they, they look for these, like, 
fa- uh, like follicles. Okay. Which shows like it's like a sign indication of fertility and, and they'd started to sprout. So this is all weird. I don't really know what it means, but I was like, okay, so that's good. Yeah. Are you happy? And she was like, yeah, you know, probably would be an IVF situation later down the line just because of your situation. But yeah. But the there's no the reason why we can't give it a bash with what you've got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously this was That's like, amazing. like a game changer. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I was really expecting her to say, you've yeah. got two eggs and they're cracked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but she didn't. So that was good. Um, and I had a scan actually the other day. And and more or less the same story. One ovary, he said, is actually looking really healthy. That's so. amazing. That's amazing. Thanks for telling us your story because I can't imagine coming in and talking to two guys about that. Aye, <laughs> yeah. Particularly comfortable or like, aye. yeah, I like Well, education that, goes as far as euphemisms, like, you know what I mean? Th- this was, when I had read the story, I was like, this is something that I want to talk about, not just because it is a, a really empowering story, but because the stigma that's about it, I, I feel, is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if it, the, the stigma that goes around sort of like female issues and like particularly when it's associated with things like periods and we see things like period poverty popping up yeah yeah i think that we need to speak about these things and if this is a platform to do it then but i thanks for for talking about that like do you think that you've got a you've got a different outlook like after you've went through this in comparison to like an average 22 year old that might wake up in the morning and be like fuck uni oh my fucking yeah. god exams no yeah. just, I, I want to just uh, you're actually like enjoying it uh, you're actually like you've got that sort of like I need to be focused here because it could get taken away at any time yeah. like you think that that shaped who you are like since then I definitely think that it's changed the way I approach almost everything obviously you still have days where you're like oh my god but I have to check myself because I think like for god's sake katie like you couldn't like do anything mm-hmm. even like even just finishing uni and starting working this feels like a fever dream still because i'm like how has this actually happened how have i got to a point where mm-hmm. i'm going to work every day and doing a job that i love feeling really good um and it it, it all kind of i will view it all in a different light now because mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. like there not that not like there was a reason that that happened because i wouldn't wish it on anybody but it does make you take stock and think, oh my God, you are so lucky that you're even, you know, walking about. And even to have the results like what I got this week from my doctor saying, you know what, this is looking all right. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh my goodness, like I just assumed that all that was a, was a goner and I wasn't going to be able to do anything, you know, and, and you still get twinges where you're in pain and you think, oh no, it's coming back. Yeah. It's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but touch wood. That's no real wood, by the way. That's laminated plastic. <laughs> Touch plastic. It's all, it's all all right so far. So yeah, of course, you look at things differently mm-hmm. and you do have to check yourself and think, you know, you're, you're very lucky to mm-hmm. be where you are. And it just makes you have a bit more drive and a bit more kind of focus. And life is too short and you just think like, fuck's sake, if this ever happens to me again, I want to make sure that the, the time that I've got is jam-packed with me doing everything that I couldn't do when I was stuck in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. That's amazing. A good yeah. outlook as well. So you're a presenter at Capital FM. Yeah. How's it how's everything <laughs> going? I mean, we, know, we know we've got like James that works at Capital and does drunk therapy and we've yeah. got a common sort of friend. But um, yeah, like how's life as a radio presenter other than being obsessed with Taylor Swift? Yeah. Oh, no. yes. I got it. Got it. <laughs> well, the love for Taylor Swift is, is never going to die, so that's all still there. Um, they deliver trust us again. After you said you were waiting to go <laughs> there. For goodness sake. Uh, <laughs> you did promise. No, but uh, 
it's crazy. So actually, James has been amazing through the whole thing because I, I've been going in there making demos for years and mm-hmm. um, just so making demos was yeah that? so just going in and i did an internship like three three years ago maybe mm-hmm. four years ago um and then from that point on james was like ah you've got a, a decent voice come in and and try and make some demos and like just press all the buttons basically and pretend that i was you know right mm. um and i did that for all every every couple of weeks i would come in really um and then eventually got some overnight shifts one till four AM. I still do one of them a week, which is good fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, you know that way you just like I learning the ropes, really. Previous journey in radio ended. Uh, I used to do the interns and volunteering at um, Clan like a hundred years ago, and uh, I got offered the what I was like twenty four slot, and then I was yeah. like, mm, no. Yeah. <laughs> I so value that was the last my time sleep. I worked in radio. Well, up until I don't know if this counts, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, it is a brutal shift. It, it is, it, but it gave me an, a, a kind of. I like I don't know it, it was it was brilliant because it meant that I was just getting on air. I was separating just... the week for the chaff there. That's why you'll be there and I'm not because I'm like nah <laughs> night shift's the line. Sorry. Yeah, like, like it actually no. I'd, I'd rather be snoozing, but no. It was one of those, and it was just like amazing. So it did that for a little while, and then now I'm on on with Gary on Drive. So it just but a lot of faith from James really, and then a lot of when I was going through all the the health stuff. Mm-hmm. He was just always like, like, come in, like when you can, we'll we'll figure it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of a lot of belief in me. At, certainly at points when I didn't have any belief in myself because I was going through all this, and I thought, that's it. Always wanted to do radio. Always wanted to be a presenter, a journalist. You know, always wanted mm-hmm. to work in that field. Um, and I, he just kind of kind of kept saying, well, look, when you're feeling good, come in. And even if you record one link and it's just a practice, you know, just keep it up, keep it up. And then the the opportunity came to to present with Gary uh, doing the travel. Nice. So yeah, it's great. Loving life. <laughs> it's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must be something that's really important if you've got somebody, especially like a manager, or if you're at work and they believe. What if you're sick? Like believing yeah. in the person. Yeah. Is something because I manage people and I, I've had a couple of people phone in the last couple of years, but it's been like sort of I'm having like really bad cramps, and in years gone by, I would have. I would, I would have completely believed that they're going through that. But yeah. in the back of my mind, I'd be like, is this really a valid reason to be off work? So it must be like really encouraging, especially if you're doubting yourself, to have mm-hmm. somebody that's like, don't worry about it, just come in when you can or whatever like that. No, um, totally. I think that's for people is really, if you do manage people or you have to just reflect on that, like mm. absolutely like just, you need to like just appreciate that people sometimes if they're going through whatever like migraines like that type of thing as well like if mm. if i get somebody phoning in sick to work and like i'm going through a migraine i've been like i've had migraines and i can get up and i can get up, but they're a different person everything's so subjective isn't it absolutely you, know what I mean? like you can't or dismiss somebody else's experience just because you've not had it you know yeah what I mean? and i think it's mental actually though on that that line how many people who were going <clears> through period cramps or endometriosis or PCOS anything like that I would rather phone their boss and tell them that they had like diarrhea yeah. and tell them what they actually mm-hmm. had yeah. and that is crazy because I've done that mm-hmm. I've gone and said oh you know just a sickness bug or whatever when I know fine well I'm off because of my period yeah. but you're scared that people will be like oh come on yeah yeah no just get in yeah. oh, it can't be that bad no. like oh so and so's on her period too look she's grand you know yeah and then you start playing the comparison game and you torture yourself so you'd rather just say that you were stuck on the loo with uh, diarrhea than yeah, say the hands. and it's mad when you're thinking right well From, you know i'm less embarrassed about poo. The, like <laughs> an you know anxiety point of view i think i said in an earlier episode this year that this was the first time 
ever in my adult life where I, when I'd been suffering from anxiety that I actually said to my gaffer, look man, I'm not coming in today because of anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and it's obviously been part of this process that's kind of led to that. But in, in the past, I would be like, what is the thing I can say here that will cause him to ask me the least amount of questions possible? Yeah. And it would be a dodgy stomach or whatever. And you just go and ladle it on and be like, right, that's enough and move on. But you would not, and it, 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 you know yourself, it only contributes to probably making you actually feel worse that so, yeah, you've not been able to be honest well because, yeah. about, you know, what's going on. But that's huge. That's huge though, that you were able to do that because right. I feel like it's, it's it's just yeah, it's just like coming clean with yourself as well because it's like right, this is a, this is a legitimate yeah. issue uh-huh. that yeah. you know I deserve the time to kind of deal with what's happening to me and and I should be able to be open with that. And it's amazing when you get to that stage where you are just able to mm. just go, fuck it, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my best, but I need to take five. Yeah, and, and sort I think out. that's a huge point. Is that you? Be honest with yourself yeah. and yeah. don't just be like, ah, oh, it's just, you know, like you're saying, making excuses and then you're sort of telling yourself subconsciously that whatever you're going through isn't valid. Yeah. That you should, because that's, that's really what the, the stem of that is, is that you don't, feel, party, yeah, you don't feel like you should be phoning in sick, so you need to make up this excuse. And the sickness and diarrhea one was always the best one when I worked at McDonald's because... If you've got sickness and diarrhea, you, you can't, can't handle food. food. Nine <laughs> times out of ten, I wasn't. It wasn't anxiety or any. I was literally like hungover. And I was just feeling. Like, I've got sickness and diarrhea. I'm not coming in. But I cannot that, fry chips today. <laughs> that is the one when people phone and they're like, "I've got sickness and diarrhea." You're just yeah. like, "Fuck off." Do you know what I mean? Like, so like yeah. in terms of the the endo itself, like as we're, we're talking about, you know, people's individual and sort of subjective experiences with their, their own health. Like, what what kind of what kind of signs should Women be looking for. I mean, is there, is there, is there, as much as it's hard to scan, it's you know pretty yeah. invasive to you really diagnose. But as the things that people can be or women can be looking for, totally. And um, there's quite a lot of things. Uh, and Endometriosis UK is an amazing resource. So basically, really, this is a little plug. But if anybody does think they have any of these symptoms, they have a helpline. They have all sorts. And what they can help you do is say the right thing that you need to say to your doctor to get the scan. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I think that. As we said before, there should be like a troubleshooting list where you mm-hmm. think, oh, you've got all these things, right. But they can really help you to, there's a checklist and everything that you can print out and go, I have all of these things t- to make the doctor take you seriously, mm-hmm. which in itself is mad. But the main ones are uh, obviously heavy, heavy periods, heavy okay. bleeding, uh, severe pelvic pain or cramps. And obviously it's hard to tell what's severe, but if, if, if you have to take a day off for your period full stop or if you're bedridden or if you feel like you're going to pass out when you feel a pain, that's not normal. You shouldn't have to experience mm-hmm. yeah. that. Um, painful sex, that's that's one. Any, so that can be a really embarrassing thing for people to open up about. But mm-hmm. most people that have chronic pelvic pain are going to have a lot of pain when they're having sex and they won't want to admit it, but it is a thing. <coughs> um, also, a lot of pain when you're on the toilet because it could be things kind of pushing against yeah. your bowel. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Um, dizziness on your period, prone to fainting on your period. Okay. There's a really extensive list. Mm-hmm. Um, and also some people, I should say, that have endometriosis have absolutely zero symptoms. It just lingers about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because just depending on where the growths form and all this sort of stuff. But then, mm-hmm. then they're the ones who possibly when they're trying to conceive have issues. That's when they'll, they'll get their diagnosis, which yeah. is kind of like, it's strange that it doesn't show up in scans and you're thinking about like where's medical science going with us because I know. when it comes to like things like the prostate mm-hmm. like they're 
all about that testicular cancer. This yeah. is how you check yeah. for it. But something like this, you think that people would be like jumping all over it, trying to find a non-invasive way of diagnosing this yeah. if it's affecting one in ten percent of the population, and you need to cut them open to find out if it's actually happening. Is just it just seems wild to me. Mm-hmm. I don't. It doesn't compute at all. With I think me. it's. A, I think it's a funding <clears throat> issue, and I think it does. It, I do think it's a women's health issue in general. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Um, I don't think that don't th- think these things get... as seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And the only time it's taken seriously <laughs> is 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 when it affects fertility, which is mental because that's when people start to pay attention because they're like, oh, this might affect the family. Yeah, the, 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 the Christian values of society type thing. It's, into, it's which tribal. Is it's, how, it's how will this affect crazy. men? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> yeah, kinda. I mean, we'll get the the most advanced medical technology. Like combat erectile dysfunction, <laughs> yeah. But like when it comes, to women kind of go through a period with it being doubled over for five days and like sick. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's literally like take take a, an opioid, like just fill I yourself with some morphine. Yeah, just, just drug exactly. yourself up and you'll be fine. Like that is mm-hmm. literally what the process was. If somebody was feeling uh, so, if somebody's listening just before like, we move on to more sort of general things. If somebody was thinking, I'm potentially going through what. Where do they go and find this information? I know that you just mentioned it there, but yeah. I think it'd be good just to plug like different places where people can go and get information on it. So Endometriosis UK is the one for the information in, in Scotland anyway. Like they are they're really good. Two full time members of staff is all that they have, by the way. That's how like little funding wow. and little whatever. But they're incredible. They run conferences uh, down south, but also I think in the next couple of weeks, there's a conference in Edinburgh. So they're always doing things and they have local support groups as well. So you can go along to a support group even if you don't have a diagnosis, if you mm-hmm. think you might have the symptoms. Okay. And just sometimes hearing other people's experience, you go, you, you feel like you can breathe again because you think, oh my gosh, yeah. other people understand this. And yeah. being in a room with people is quite helpful. I am no so, one anymore. Yeah. yeah. So they do that. Um, shamelessly i have a little instagram page uh endo silence scotland and we do quite a lot we me um there's kind of posts on there and i share people in scotland's endometriosis stories mm-hmm. okay. so just like again that's i found that so helpful when i was going through it because you're just looking at things checklist going yep she's like me or or that's great that's wonderful like i actually don't I, know, I just feel like I'm not way mad. And also when you see positive stories, that's quite inspiring as well. Absolutely. Certainly things yeah. when people are like, because I, I keep banging on about it, but for me, the main thing was I would have taken the pain every day for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. When I found out that I might not be able to have kids, it's so weird at 22, I was like, right, okay, well, I'm going to have to just go and, and have a baby now. Like, that's what I'll do. Like, we'll find a way, you know, because that was yeah. the thing that was my immediate concern. And seeing women that have had kids through IVF or through egg donation and or just just got pregnant mm-hmm. um for me that was amazing seeing that on when they were sharing their stories yeah, so you yeah. find things and you're like little nuggets of hope and yeah. also little things that validate your experience it's absolutely helpful. this is the the positive aspects of the more, internet really into it is that nothing more important than if you're going through something than like seeing or reading or you know experiencing somebody's story who's come out the other side like yeah i think it's one of the most useful things mm-hmm. that you know this from my point of view community the right. thing that totally. keeps is like an overarching theme that we talk about in the podcast is is that people don't they feel a sense of disconnection and that leads to all sorts of things yeah. but this is the type of thing that social media is so powerful for because yeah. if you are one in ten women are suffering for this and suffering in silence but before the days of the internet, you would have just put up with every day. Oh for my your god! Life. Of course, yeah, you but wouldn't have now a clue. You go and you see these people's stories, and they're like, "Go and get checked out." 
this is what, yeah. this is the power of it. But the, I mean, there's so many. How many of they that one in ten don't even know that they've got that's what it. they've got? You know, or I mean? is it potentially two in ten? Like, is it like, probably? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it is that potential? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important just to let people know um, where to go. Um, we. The thing that I think that it connected first of all was that you had filled in like some sort of I don't know thing for your university yeah. about <laughs> podcasting, um, and I think it was about like a podcast being a threat to sort of mainstream media. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion on that? Do you think that that because that, deal. since then I <laughs> like socialism, but um, like podcast is like the socialist front. I don't think so, but um, the. One thing that I've noticed since then is that the mainstream media is now sort of infiltrating podcasting yeah. and creating their own podcasting platforms. Yeah. That I mean, if you go and look at the top ten, I mean, other than the guys likes and we talk about them a lot, but guys like Rogan, who's probably got the biggest platform on the planet as far as like yeah. getting a message out there. Really, like, I mean, that the, the Edward Snowden episode earlier in the week had like five million views overnight, and you're just yeah, like, holy could, shit! Could, I mean, yeah. even though, if did you watch it? Oh, I've not seen no, it. No, no, no. doesn't really get into it. It, it. They just get caught up in his story. Right. And you're like, there's, there's a fucking, there's an Oliver Stone movie that tells us all this. Like, I yeah. want to hear, I want to hear what you think about Trump. I want to hear what you think about the world today. I don't want to hear don't, about is he no, that, is he no exiled he's in America? Yeah, he's in yeah. Russia. Or Rogan went to Russia? No, they Skyped him in. Oh, oh right. right, okay. Because he was I, like rector of Glasgow Uni, like when I was there. Yeah. Edward Snowden—it's yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. Rogue tactic. Yeah, I think that the, the reason that they wanted him on was because of the whole sort of like Trump had come out and went, "Oh, uh, whistleblowers, whistleblowers will yes. just get an immunity under Trump," and then uh, Julian Assange is now getting tortured in a British jail. And and Edward you wanted Snowden's someone to quiz him on that rather than yeah yeah, yeah rather than rehashing just the story that yeah. is incredible, but. I, I unfortunately I'd heard it but anyway like do, do you think that there is potential that podcasting and like this sort of like what is essentially used to be night radio talk radio is gonna like wipe away the sort of question time style because you see oh, even though people complain about it they still go and watch it yeah. and still people love have gotten the, sound, the sound bites and instead of getting Bernie Sanders on for an hour and actually saying to them, what do you believe in what you're going to do if you get into power? They still focus on like this sort of like campaign bite and, and putting it out there. So I'd, I genuinely, I used to think podcasting's going to wipe the floor. Mm. But I'm starting to think, mm, it's just going to get bastardized and aye, we're going to get 15 minute podcasts. Corporatized. Aye, exactly. Yeah, well, because I think everybody wants a slice of the pie, don't they? I think that's basically what's happened and people obviously people are under pressure to kind of keep mainstream media alive and they're wanting to kind of offshoot that in whatever way that they can but i i don't think it's i don't think podcasts are a threat to the the kind of status quo mm -hmm. and i and, and obviously thankfully for my job and stuff commercial radio is 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 grand because we're playing music and we're doing different stuff but when you talk about the talk shows and things that's really interesting because i i don't know i feel like when you're tuning into a podcast you're tuning in for like it's a micro audience tuning in for a very specific reason most of the time, mm -hmm. or because you want to hear someone who sounds like you talking about issues, yeah. bigger, wider scale issues, or just because you're really interested in a certain topic or a certain whatever. So I think that they'll always have the advantage there in terms of niche markets. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Cause I, I still, I, I still love listening to and, and watching, you know, these kind of 
car crash panel shows yeah. where you're like, what's going to happen I, here? I'm, I'm bad for it myself, but, so yeah. I, no I judgment in that. I don't watch Question Time, but no. I look at the wee videos on YouTube. Oh, and yeah, well, yeah. And get right. raging. I know. <laughs> and it's always like, you know... So, so is this just a rage factory? And you're just like, just uh-huh. Someone in the audience, you know I mean? like, hitting the nail, the nail on the head and you're like sweating watching them try and answer. Yeah. But, no, I don't... I mean, I, I posed the question for uni for various reasons, but I think that my findings and what I worked out in the end was that they're they're pretty separate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I certainly, when I'm listening to a podcast, go for a whole different reason. I do go for because I because I care about the people that yeah. are doing the podcast uh-huh. as well. Like you, you know that way where you get invested yeah. in you, people's you like story them. and yeah, because <laughs> you just become your pal. Mm-hmm. And you would never turn on Question Time because you think oh your pal is going to be on it. Like, well, unless yeah, asking, you're you looking know, for something else. You're looking for, mm. you're getting, the information that I get from a podcast, I always, and I do always feel educated from them, but it is just because I'm just checking in and I really like, like the person or I'm really interested in the subject matter. I feel like it's a different, different ball game, but it was interesting to see how many people thought that there was, you know, that they were a threat. Because um, I suppose now podcasts are just getting so really popular, which is great because oh, like, I love them. Huge. But it's, it's mental. Yeah. Mm. The variety is insane. So it's almost it, getting to the point where it's like music, where there's so much that you can't really pick anything. You're like, just there's so much choice to go yeah. and listen to this. And I mean, if you wanted to go and watch, listen to a podcast on the Thunderbirds, I'm pretty sure <laughs> no, you could find, find, find one. Probably a hundred hours worth of podcast content on the Thunderbirds or on like whatever, like children's TV program. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think it's, it's further down the line in the States and I think it's more serious in the States. Yeah. I think that, that you get, I mean, not to hop back to him constantly, but I, I think the platform that Joe Rogan gives mm. to people is incredible, even though sometimes he gives it to people where I'm like, mm, should he really be going on there? But the fact that Tulsi Gabbard, Andrew Yang, Bernie Sanders, these people, serious political candidates for yeah. the presidency are going on and speak. Well, Sanders is definitely a serious Gabbard's candidate. Gabbard's like pulling at 2%. Yeah, but these She's going on and speaking for over an hour takes yeah. a lie. courage. No, totally. Do you think that's because I don't want to say like more they're given more legitimacy over in the states or what do you think that is like what do you think the appeal is do they just realise the that there's girl? there's more they see the power of that that niche kind of audience or it's I not even a niche when you think about his numbers America's so girl. big that all the individual sort of smaller areas allow for that sort of nicheness where yeah. they can have a, a local podcast like like ours where as you say we're going to maybe a couple hundred maybe a few thousand on yeah. a, on a good week but like. A local podcast in Arizona or you know Nevada or whatever is instantly has access to maybe a hundred thousand people. You know what I mean? Like so, a, a local podcast voters, yeah. in, those, in, those, in their terms, even though they're still probably talking quite niche things. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. in that area, you know what I mean. I, like, I so, heard Rogan on an interview say that he gets nine million downloads a week, and that's only on Apple. <laughs> so only oh, oh my god! So then his <laughs> YouTube's like over a million and yeah, a yeah. So he's going out to like tens of millions it's of people crazy. and. I think that he's very unique because he's been going for years and he was like one of the first. So, mm-hmm. and, and the difference between America and here, I think, is exactly what Matt's saying. I think is just that the, the there's just or sorry, what you were saying. It's more legitimate. It's been legitimised. Whereas here, mm. we've got the BBC's podcasts mm, and we've yeah, got the, the sounds. So you get you get like that. Oh shit! I did facial Tourette's again. I keep forgetting <laughs> that we record these videos. Like. <laughs> 
clunky. She did that. She just caught me having facial threats when she mentioned BBC's for but, drone bite size. We, we, we've, I think that it took us so long to get on the bandwagon that the horses bolted, and it's hard for us to get like a, a Joe Rogan type podcast that's actually going to like lead the way Aye. where it's just a guy's podcast because that, that's all it is it's just him and another guy in a room mm. whereas now I think that the main podcasts in the UK are the big ones that are like sort of like BBC Run and like I think the number one sports podcast Peter Crouch which is BBC Five Live the number yeah. one po- politics podcast is a BBC podcast which again is like- the only one that I think is really sort of like getting in there is Russell Brand but that's more around sort of spirituality than it yeah. is about like actual getting a politician on there and asking them like drilling them down it's more she's still she's still a celebrity so they are mainstream but then I suppose you could people could argue Joe Rogan was on the UFC and on Fear Factor so he was a celebrity before he was mm. a podcaster so it's just because we look at him now as a podcaster and Bill Burr another celebrity that's got yeah. so I, I i think i think i would agree with, with what you're saying that i don't see it as being a, a major threat no i think is what i don't think so it's a, maybe a symptom of the society we live in as well at the minute because as we go down the the road of trump and johnson and so on and so forth yeah. like like where liberties become less and less and i think people feel you know disenfranchised and that mm. they don't have a voice and i think <laughs> if they can plug a microphone into their laptop and set up their iphone and you know talk about whatever it is that they're doing, then they're going to do it. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it gives people who maybe in some instances don't feel like they've got a voice the opportunity to come out and speak for themselves mm-hmm. as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. How do you feel about uh, the whole, what uh, word will I use for this, stramash, about uh, comfort, gen- gender neutralising their sanitary products? So, Ooh. like, this is, uh, what a question. <laughs> oh, like, oh, my goodness me. Um, this, is, this, is for selfish, this is for selfish reasons, because I have went in and I have looked at both sides of the sort of, like, perspective on this. I don't have a perspective because, one, I, I'm trying not to have a perspective because, one, I don't, I don't use sanitary products, mm, like, I don't mm. get periods. But um, there's been a... And I think that this gets used as, like, a Trojan horse, um, where in the times of, I mean, the last week has been a political shit show. And I think that these things get used as like a distraction method because I I don't understand why a woman would feel passionately about the female symbol getting taken off. Um, Something that I feel personally should be free. I mean, one, comfort, don't give a fuck about you. I mean, who they own by, Johnson & Johnson. I think they really care about gen- gender neutrality. They are basically trying to sell something. Yeah. So, I, it, it, but there's also... I can also see why it it would be a point of contention for mm. a woman. Like I can also sort of feel that where they're like there's so many other like bigger issues. Why is this a bit like like a big thing? Um I think it gets mis it get misunderstood a lot as well that people were saying, well, trans women don't use sanitary products nearly but trans men do. So that I think that's a non binary. That's why they've made they've yeah. tried to make it gender neutral. But just feel like a woman's perspective, do you feel like it's a big deal? Do you care? I feel like it's a small tick in a box. And I think you're so right when you say the Trojan horse thing, because I do think it is just like, oh, this is a little, you know, it's a distraction from the fact that they're actually not doing anything to ta- to combat period poverty, to uh-huh. address the fact that people can't afford to buy their products, especially when they have some, like, I mean, it was my mum that reminded me the other day, actually, that when I was in a really bad state, I was spending £30 a week on sanitary items. Wow. Like, genuinely, for not all the time, but there's... Uh, 
a couple of weeks out of the month, that was my reality because I was going through that many yeah. kind of, you know, and on painkillers and on, on heat packs and on all this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking into that situation and thinking if I had been in a, a worse situation, if my mum hadn't basically subbed me the money, essentially, mm-hmm. um, or anybody that's in that situation where they're going through that many, you know, this is, this is a, a drop in the ocean. It really, it doesn't mean anything because yeah. if they can't even afford to, to get the product, what do they matter if it's pink or blue packaging, really? Yeah. <laughs> but then also, by the same token, uh, some of my pals that are non-binary and, and are, are experiencing this stuff are kind of confronted by this packaging and it does upset them mm-hmm. of course it does so i do think and i think about my pals and i think all right well that's good that's good but i still think but you're missing the point yeah because sure there is not not everything needs to be pink and frilly for it to be for i, I don't go yeah. in a shop and think i only see pink because i'm a woman like yeah. it's nonsense it really is so but if it makes someone feel better nonsense. that's great and i really am for that of course uh-huh. but it is just not addressing the issue uh-huh. which is that they, they should be free and all yeah, the stuff that monica absolutely. lennon is doing and trying to get free sanitary yeah. products everywhere tackling period poverty and everything invest some money in that yep. why don't you instead uh-huh. of instead of taking a wee feminine symbol off it because do both yeah, <laughs> basically that was a kind of conclusion that i was sort of thinking about is that they only related that that you can get into an argument about period poverty, but it's almost sort of like what boutery when just let let's just say to people like stop focusing on that fucking issue, like mm. yeah. because it's it isn't an issue. It makes people it's more inclusive. It's great, but at the end of the day, the what is the 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 goal? The goal is to sell more of these things. Aye, do you know what I mean? That's comfort the, of dropping these things, knowing that people are going to spend two days on Twitter talking about comfort. The same way as any any other yeah. subject, you know, like any other product. I mean, the one I seen the other day, and I'm no in in no way, shape, or form comparing the two, uh, was the uh, innocent smoothies. Well, they were joking the blue about thing. The, well, no, the blue thing. Apparently, the blue thing is legit. <laughs> um, they were making a joke about uh, conkers. So at this time of year, you know, the trees are falling. Blah blah blah. We are, you know, so delighted to announce this conker milk smoothie. And like people went absolutely tonto for two days, and they've spent the rest of the week repeatedly posting "Do not eat conkers," because they made a joke about like conker milk, like soya milk, or like <laughs> almond milk, or whatever it is, yeah. uh-huh. and cunts have been going out and eating conkers. Now they've obviously made the conker milk joke, assuming that people are going to get the joke yeah. and like you know have have two three days worth of chat. But in actual fact, they're now drowning in idiots who are trying to eat conkers. Conquer you know poison. what I mean? I conquer mm. poisoning. But as I'm saying, these companies are very measured we talked about it in one of the the shots about um outrage culture where you know like katie perry releases a pair of shoes that look like it's blackface and you're like come on let's the 21st century she knew what she was doing with that and mm. she got the reaction that she wanted because people spent a week talking about it and it's the thing with the, the comfort side of things is that is like they're just dropping grenades into conversations that's and stepping back so everybody else does the advertising for them good if people could just take that step back and just be like the, the let's don't just bite here. don't engage yeah, just exactly. don't engage but no. unfortunately i i think that when you've got people like hopkins and mm. pierce morgan and they love this shit do you know oh, what i mean oh. and, and, it, and it's about it's also about their intent as well like their intent is just to push their profile they yeah and it they, fulfills their whole villain persona that yeah. they live for yeah. simon so Cow, of course. Or simon fuller whoever the first villain in fucking 
pop idol I've got a lot to fucking answer for because now it's like a, a legitimate like uh, yeah. your choice <laughs> I, I want to be a Disney nasty. villain exactly <laughs> I'm going to be Maleficent today uh, and yeah. I will do it well yeah, Mr Nasty <laughs> totally uh, it's just it just seems like a, a crazy situation but it, it, as I said it's been something that um, I've been just looking at it from afar and just thinking what the fuck is going on here and why do people care so much and I, I, I think it was good to get like a sort of a perspective on it that mm-hmm. sort of makes me feel better about I'm not an arsehole for thinking <laughs> do, do both it's alright to be sitting in a situation like this and go I don't really care about either side of this argument. I'm just going to leave. Mm-hmm. Well, that's 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 my point of view. Aye, right? nobody gives a fuck about that. <laughs> anyway. anyway, that's us over the hour. So thanks very much for coming in. Oh, thank um, you. Been yeah. a great conversation. Really I think appreciate that, you sharing the story. Aye, oh. definitely. I think that um, I hope people like. I mean, I think people have already took a lot for the article. But mm. even if like one person sort of listens to this and goes, "Oh, Yay. that might be me," and goes and seeks yep. out. But aye, I think it, the purpose is. No, just to sit down and talk to somebody, but to like destigmatize these things yeah. because I mean that's the whole thing about saying it must be awkward talking to guys about this type of thing. I don't think it should be. No, I think you should be able to just be no. open and honest about illness and like what your experiences. I can understand. Like, I wouldn't want to sit down and talk to. I mean, I've got a wife and a daughter, so these things, are, these, I need to educate myself and get beyond these older thinking. You uh-huh. know, where it's like the euphemisms and you know the sort of you know, people being segregated in terms of the knowledge that's shared with them and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, I want to be able to support, you know, a wife and a partner yeah. or, a, or a daughter through these type of things. And the knowledge that we've got based on how we were taught is not enough. It's nothing. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like zero. It's shit. And what I think would be really cool is if someone listened to this and started a conversation about menstrual well-being, about periods, about, you know these issues that they would never have thought of speaking about before mm. and, and did it with confidence and knowing that they had a little bit more knowledge and that they actually empathised and understood a wee bit more. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Excellent. Okay. So, well, again, thanks very much for coming. I really enjoyed the chat. Oh, thank you.